Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We are fired up for today's recap podcast as we take a look at the sports world and and give some thoughts uh, from a faith perspective and talk about some of the big sports stories. And I am joined in studio by a good friend of mine and one of the the founding members of uh, the Unpacking It board, and and so we'll uh, we'll talk with him in just a moment. Uh, want to remind you and let you know that we've got a, a really exciting event taking place in Charlotte coming up the Thursday of the NCAA tournament starting, so March nineteenth, the March Madness viewing party over at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill just outside uh, Uptown Charlotte, over on East Moorhead. We're going to be out there noon to 3. So right at the start of, of the tournament, uh, you know, the, the first four, yeah, whatever, that happens on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's all about that Thursday, the start of the tournament, the excitement, the energy. We're going to be together. So, so join us for the Unpacking It March Madness viewing party at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill, and it's a tremendous restaurant. Delicious food, great atmosphere, and we'll have a, a private area for us. Uh, but if, even if you can't make this event, definitely check out Dilworth Neighborhood Grill. Really good restaurant. I always get the Berkeley salad. It's this salmon salad with this just fantastic sauce or uh, dressing on top uh, that I absolutely love. So one of my favorite salads uh, in Charlotte. So Dilworth Neighborhood Grill, glad to partner with them on the March Madness viewing party. Hope you'll join us. Uh, if you're in Charlotte, check it out, unpackingit.com to register and let us know that you're coming. So today on the show, we're going to talk Duke Carolina, talk about the Lakers winning two huge games Friday and Sunday. A lot going on in the NFL. Free agency is about to, to really pick up. The QB carousel continues to be the the focal point of the offseason. And, and so we'll, we'll talk a little fatherhood as well. Uh, I got a big, big debacle in, uh, in fatherhood that, that's taking place right now. So I got to get, get some of uh, your thoughts. We'll get Reed's thoughts as well. Uh, but before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need health insurance? Get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll do Unpack This, and it'll be about the Duke Carolina game and this idea of transitions. How do we handle transitions in life from a faith perspective, and what does the Bible say? And so we'll uh, we'll look at that in just a little bit. But right now, we are joined in studio, our co-host for the day here on the Unpacking It podcast. It's Reed Franck. He played college baseball at UNC. He played minor league baseball around the country and also is a coach over at Charlotte Christian High School, baseball, football, a uh, little bit of everything, and uh, he's been a part of unpacking it since the beginning. So here he is. Reed, how are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here today. Yeah, man. We're, we're fired up. And of course, uh, because you uh, went, to, went to UNC and you were an athlete there, uh, we'll, we'll start with the, the big game from... Saturday night, and and I got to get your thoughts kind of on the overall program at Carolina, where things stand. I mean, it's unbelievable. Roy Williams gets his first losing season in in his 
amazing career and and so very surprising with with what took place for the Tar Heels this year. Uh, but but for me as a as a Duke fan, what excited me the most about this game and and really the last couple of games for Duke is the emergence of Justin Robinson, and and so. You know, we kind of wonder, all right, where does Duke stand heading into the ACC tournament, heading into the NCAA tournament? Are they truly a, a championship contender? And it's crazy that a former walk-on could come in and emerge as a key contributor. He started those senior night. And, and to finally kind of make his presence felt on this team, and, and I, I'm watching the game, I am drawn to Justin Robinson. His energy, his passion, his ability to hit threes, block shots. And of course, I grew up a David Robinson fan. So to watch his son out there on the court, and he looks like him, he plays like him, it's incredible. So that was my big takeaway uh, from the game is that Justin Robinson now gives them a legit center to play along Vernon Carey, who's you know a true power forward kind of thing. So I guess they list Robinson as a as a forward, but I view him as a center because he's David's son. But to me, those two guys on the floor together complement Jones, Trey Jones, and then you've got Cassius and and you've got Anthony Goldwire. And to me, Coach K finally has his starting five heading into the ACC tournament. Like that those five guys, the way they play together, whether they start or whether they play the most minutes together, that's who I. That's who I've got. So, uh, and I think Coach K finally figured that that out as well. Big win for Duke. They win, you know, both games against Carolina this year. And so, as a Carolina guy, Reed, what what do you make of this season? You know, it's got to be tough to you know to lose both games to to Duke. Uh, always like to at least split those. So, uh, so where do you come out on all this? Well, you know, I come on this podcast, and I was hoping we could skip <laughs> this topic, but um, yeah, I mean. It's it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year um, across the board. I mean, I'm not telling anybody anything they don't already know. I think just with some of the early injuries, and then in college basketball, momentum is just such a big deal in terms of team chemistry and getting on a roll. Especially you know now as we're we're into March, um, as you're talking about with uh, with Duke, um, I think they're um, on somewhat of a roll as we approach the tournament, but with Carolina this year there were just no momentum games mm. there were a couple wins you know the the couple against NC State um, the other crosstown rival which were nice but there just wasn't any sustainability um, from a momentum perspective it's hey win a couple games injury big injury and then you know then it was just kind of hey we're treading water and and just it just didn't happen and you know, a lot of variables, a lot of factors, but, you know, that's kind of my take on it. So this will come across as uh, not very nice, but I think it's like the reality of it. Like, UNC should never have a season like this. Like, it's really unacceptable because, especially with the way college basketball is, Carolina should always have enough players to at least have, you know, winning seasons and not finish at the bottom of the ACC. Like it just and same, I would say the same thing for Duke. Like it, it should never happen with the for one the coaches that they have, the history that they have, the tradition, the credibility, the ability to recruit, and and so it's shocking, it's surprising, and I would say it's unacceptable. And they would, I think Williams would too. Almost midway through the season, when he's making those comments, like yeah, we just don't have the most talented team. Like that's on you. 
Like you got to get the right players and, and you got to develop them or whatever it's going to take. You, you can't make those excuses. You're UNC. To me, a down year is the middle of the pack. Not, a down year cannot be at the bottom of the ACC and you're flirting around with Clemson basketball and Virginia Tech basketball. Is that, sure. is that fair? No, I, I think it's fair. I think, it, I think when you add injuries... And that, Cole that, Anthony's awesome. We saw that, right. and he, he was out for double-digit so games. When you add that to the equation, I, I think I would give a little grace towards the coaching staff. Now, do you have to have a backup that can come in and be serviceable? Sure. Or did, were there too, or was there too much um, reliance on, on a guy like him to come in as a freshman? It appears like like there was, um, and from a from from your point uh, pre-show, from a culture standpoint, I think we have to. Yeah, there has to be some blame there, but um, you know we can point to some of the Duke teams in in the '90s with you know the Cherokee Park here, and you know so there. It's I don't I don't think yeah there are certainly outlier years. Would, do I agree with you, Duke, Carolina, you, you know, should they ever have a, a losing season? Oh. Probably not. Is their schedule always one of the toughest in the country? Yes. Um, and when you can't get a couple of those role players up to speed quick enough after, you know, multiple injuries early in the year, I, obviously I'm pointing, I'm pointing to the injuries as, as being the biggest factor, in my opinion, to just not be able to develop the chemistry. Yeah, and you know they were in so many close games. I think it was six that were you know could have gone either way, um, and they lost those games. Like so, that hurts, and that hurts your record. Of course, even if you win a couple of those, you're in much better shape. But but yeah, I mean, I and and the other point for Carolina is they lost a really great team, like guys that just graduated and left. And you know, you talk about Luke May and Kobe White and Cam Johnson, good players. So there's going to be a a uh, rebuild or retool. I just think in the way college basketball goes, you got to bring in new guys that, that keep your program up to par. Well, and to that point, the the Carolina model really hasn't been leaning on freshmen when compared to Duke. True, and I actually prefer the Carolina model in that regard. Sure, which when you get into the five, six-point games either way, and there's really no one who's been there before, it's tough. And then, okay, we lose one, we lose another one, and then, you know, those thoughts start creeping in, you know, how are we going to lose this this one? Yeah. You know, even as a fan, you know, the first Duke-Carolina game, I'm I'm on my anniversary trip watching the, the game <laughs> um, kind of on my, on my phone. During, Your wife's a Carolina girl, she, too. Yeah, we were both watching it, so I wasn't getting in trouble, but really in my stomach i think they were they were up about 9 i can't remember the exact details let's just say with about 2 minutes to go and i just was not comfortable we we made a comment to each other kept eating kept talking and then sure enough it goes to overtime and it doesn't go our way but um <laughs> i i guess i just say all that to say when when things aren't going your way sometimes if nobody stops it and you don't turn it back it just it just keeps rolling that way. Yeah, no, you're right. It just it just unraveled for for Carolina this year, and it's crazy to think that they are starting the ACC tournament on Tuesday. They're going to be playing on Tuesday. It's I mean, crazy. I mean, it's just yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up, and and yeah, I'm sure nobody's nobody's happy about it. But at the same time, 
Carolina, you never know. Like they could get hot, and maybe now they finally get the momentum, and they could win a couple games in the ACC tournament, make it interesting. But, um, but crazy to think the the way they finished and to lose twice to Duke is uh, just surprising. But Duke has a a good team. They're not great. They're they're actually they're very deep. They've got about ten players, and and I think part of their problem for their inconsistency and some of their weird losses is Kay has been trying to figure out his best rotation, his best lineup, and I think he finally found it, like I was saying earlier, and and I think he'll end up shortening his bench a little bit too, which he ends up doing this time of year. Sometimes it frustrates me because I like seeing depth, but I think I think it'll end up helping with the, the the chemistry because when you're watching these Duke teams and you got some nights guys play big minutes, other nights they don't. Uh, you know, Jack White was playing a big big role early in the season. He's fallen out of rotation. Now Justin Robinson steps in and, and plays more. Uh, we haven't really seen O'Connell lately, but then a few games ago he was playing more. So they've been going back and forth with their guys, but I think they're they're finally figuring it out. And and so I, I would think they'll make a nice run in the ACC tournament. So uh, so anyway, big big win for for Duke over the weekend. Would love to know your thoughts. I, I know we've got uh, Carolina fans that listen to this podcast. Send me an email. Uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com Bryce at unpackingit.com and, and, and stick around I'll, I'll have some more thoughts about the Duke game and their ability to score fast break points and what they were able to do and, and how that relates to uh, to the Bible and faith so we'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit alright one of the other uh, big stories from the weekend is the Los Angeles Lakers and their ability to beat the Bucks on Friday night the Clippers on Sunday to, to really make a statement that says, hey, we can beat anyone, and LeBron James is still as great as anyone. And there was a moment on Sunday where Kyle Kuzma put a pretend crown on LeBron. I thought going into the weekend, I thought last Monday, as I wrote it in the devotional, that my MVP is LeBron James. What they did against the Pelicans, his ability to win that game was huge. And then he follows that up with these two wins against Giannis, against Kawhi. He does a little bit of everything. And, and I'm driving in today, and I'm just thinking, it's unbelievable what LeBron is doing. He, we still take it for granted. In some ways, he, like, he still has a level of being underrated, which is just insane. But I actually think he's crossing over. It happened a couple years ago for Tom Brady when all of a sudden everyone was saying, Tom's the best, Tom's the GOAT. There, there was almost, how do you even criticize Tom Brady anymore? And I think LeBron is getting into that territory where I don't know what you can say negative about him anymore. Now, there are people that will they'll still hold on to Michael Jordan being the greatest no matter what happens to LeBron. But I do think that gap is closing, closing, closing. I think more and more people are going to come around to say, there's just no denying it anymore that LeBron is the best player to ever play because of the longevity and what he's continuing to do at this stage of his career. The fact that he's even in the MVP conversation is ridiculous, and I would make the case that he is the MVP. We'll get more into that. But but your thoughts, Reed, on, on LeBron and, and just this stage of his career and, and the fact that he's carrying the Lakers. Sure, he's got Anthony Davis, but he's the one that sets the tone. He puts everything in motion. He's the one that recruited Anthony Davis to the Lakers, and, and he's stepping up in big games, down the clutch, making huge plays, diving on loose balls, rebounds, defense, shots. He's doing it all. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue with with uh, kind of that resume that you laid out for him in terms of, I mean, the amount of, just think about some of the rosters over the past decade that he's taken to the finals. When we're just talking about 30,000-foot view, hey, LeBron and his legacy, it's really hard to to, to name anybody. I mean, you, you, you brought up Jordan and, and his teams. I mean, those teams were loaded. Obviously, he led the way, but... They they didn't even make the playoffs. Obviously, the next year with basically the same roster minus him, and and this year I think it's just given him a new. I'll, I'll use the word rejuvenation hmm. in terms of having another superstar on the team um, that really will delegate to LeBron respects him enough where um, there isn't any clashing. Um, it seems like the oh. cul- it seems like the same culture page. is. Um, you know, really right where they want it to be. And, you know, now it's, hey, he's putting his, you know, foot on the gas pedal and, hey, here we go. It's that time of year. It's um, it's March, so it's NCAA but um, tournament time, but it's in the NBA. This is the time to solidify our seating and, and make a push towards a championship. Yeah, so from the Lakers standpoint, so I, I'm, I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. Grew up a Hornets fan. They moved away. I'm a, but I'm also a Lakers fan. So uh, the, then the Hornets came back. I've stayed a Lakers fan, and of course I was a Kobe fan. If you listen to the podcast, I did a whole show on that, and I've got Kobe's jerseys hanging in the rafters, but uh, here at the studio. But uh, but but I'm a Lakers fan, and I loved that they got LeBron. I'm also glad that they did not get Kawhi Leonard. Because then it would have just been ridiculous. But the fact that we have these top teams right now where, okay, you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron together, you've got Kawhi and Paul George together, and then you've got Giannis and Chris Middleton and a really deep Bucks team. Those are clearly the top three teams. Boston is close. Miami's interesting. You know, the Jazz, the Nuggets, uh, the, I don't think the Rockets are legit, but those teams are, you know, they're in the mix. They'll make some competitive uh, playoff series. But it, but it is about those three teams. We saw the Lakers beat both of them over the weekend. Still the regular season, but they had lost to those teams earlier in the year, so they needed to bounce back and kind of prove, hey, yeah, we're here, we can beat them. And the way that LeBron and Davis complement each other and play so well together, they're the best one-two punch. Like, they're better than Kawhi and Paul George, so we, we're, we're good to say that. I mean... I know people like to argue that maybe Kawhi is the best player in the league, and what he did with Toronto last year was really unbelievable. But if the Warriors weren't banged up, the Warriors would have won that final. So, um, And we'll talk about the Warriors in a little bit, too. What LeBron has done with AD and how quickly they fit in to get on the same page, bring in these other correct pieces. So Rob Palenka brought in the right guys, Avery Bradley, and even Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and the, these guys, Alex Caruso, these guys complement Davis and LeBron so well. And going into the season, a lot of people didn't necessarily think that. They thought, eh, these guys aren't Rondo. Eh, forget Rondo. LeBron has the ability to get the right pieces to fit in well. And that's when you talked about some of those Cleveland teams. He was able to make those guys better. And it's it's all it's been key, you know, personality wise. He was able to get J.R. Smith on the same page, except for the one timeout that he called. But 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 that's what he does. With he'll take a guy like Alice Caruso and empower him, make him feel confident to play out there to kind of rejuvenate Dwight Howard at this point in his career. So what the Lakers have done, Frank Vogel as their head coach, uh, who thought that that was going to be the answer? He was like the third guy that they wanted. 
then you load up that coaching staff with the right guys. Lionel Hollins, a guy who's been in the league forever, former head coach. Jason Kidd, former player more recently that connects with the guys, has a relationship with LeBron. And then Vogel's been this just solid guy on the, on the sideline. So I, I, I think the Lakers will win the championship. I think LeBron and AD are better than Kawhi and Paul George. And then the role players, yeah, the Clippers maybe on paper have better role players, but I think the Lakers guys fit better, and I think they have better chemistry. So that, that's where I, uh, I'm, I stand with uh, kind of the, the Lakers and where they're at now. And then with LeBron, I just think he's more valuable than Giannis. Now, I was reading an article all the stats point to Giannis, and I get it. And I, and Giannis is incredible. The Bucks are blowing teams out. I mean, when they win, they win by 15, and Giannis sits out the fourth quarter. So, like, sometimes his stats aren't even as great per game, but per minutes, they're, they're a lot better. And so I was reading this article about advanced stats and metrics and all that kind of thing. But just as a fan watching, it's LeBron. LeBron, LeBron is just more valuable, and if you take him off – I don't think the Lakers are a playoff team. If you take Giannis off, I think the Bucks are a playoff team. And and so that's kind of my like simple after all that, oh, you look at all the stats and all that. Yeah, but LeBron's more valuable. I, I just think he's sure. a more valuable player right now. Well, and and we know MVP is a subjective award. So what's your criteria, right? Your your criteria is hey, how is this player impacting his team? And if hey, if you take him off, I, I think if you if that's your criteria, I don't think you can really argue with it. No. Um, if your if your criteria is simply on the statistical side, you know Giannis wins hands down. If you're trying to combine the two, you know flip a coin almost there. But I, I just don't think I was actually listening to uh, to somebody over the weekend talking about LeBron and and his legacy and almost just. Hey, he only has four MVPs, and it's almost like <laughs> yeah. um, they didn't give him one or two in there just because of the decision and just like oh, kind yeah. of his public perception. And you know, it's almost a shame if he only ends his career with four. So we'll see kind of how it plays out. But yeah, you made the comment about being underrated, and I I, I kind of agree. He, he in some ways, in some ways, in some ways. over the, over the over the course of his, we'll call it the last decade, there's been times, maybe not today, but um, some of the awards and, and some of the the, um, the 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 notoriety from uh, just, hey, he's the best right now this year. I don't know. It, it's an interesting argument, and I'm glad you brought it up for sure. And, and there, there are so many aspects about what he did. Like It's not just on the floor. It's the fact that he, he's never injured. I mean, the guy's always healthy. I forget what it is. I think he's played like three extra seasons just because he's played so deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it's un- like his ability to take care of his body, his mind. I was reading some quotes just about how he prepares and the fact that he's been on now four different teams. So Cleveland twice, Miami and L.A. And I, I think he'll take this team to the finals. So if he does do that, that's an incredible thing. Jordan took two Bulls teams, basically. Kind of the core changed a little bit, and that was really impressive. And, and then you love Kobe because he spent his whole 20-year career in L.A. And, and that's kind of my favorite thing, to, to have one player, one franchise. It's awesome, and there's a lot of value that goes with that. But for LeBron, you know, he kind of switched, switched things up, made it interesting. I didn't like him down at Miami. I liked him at Cleveland, and I like him at L.A. To transition to 
Miami and win there and then to go back to Cleveland, win there, that to me is so impressive and not any player could do that. And to then like bring in your kind of guys and, and get the right coaches to fit you. Like Jordan only won with Phil Jackson. Kobe only won with Phil Jackson. I mean, LeBron won with Spolstra, Tyron Lue, now Frank Vogel. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting in that regard too. To 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 get a coach and a player on the same page isn't always easy. And we'll talk about Tom Brady in a moment. But Belichick and Brady have been successful together. So again, it just adds another layer to LeBron, and then just his impact on the NBA, his ability to have D Wade and Bosh on the same roster, and to then. Kyrie and Kevin Love together on the Cavs. And sure, we give credit to the GM, but LeBron pulls the strings and he makes all that happen. And then last summer, he's filming Space Jam 2, which I can't wait to watch, while he's also preparing for this incredible MVP caliber season. So it's not like he gets distracted by all those other things. He does them in the offseason. And last year, the Lakers weren't as good, so they went out early. Um, So... I yeah, so I, I could go on and on, but that's uh, I, I think we've got to appreciate what LeBron's doing, especially at this stage of his career, and I do think he's crossing over to that Tom Brady status of you can't really criticize him anymore. There there are very few holes in his game and very few holes in his resume. I think for when, when you brought up Brady right there, the word that pops into mind just continues to be discipline. Oh, yeah. So he's so di- – both those guys are so disciplined in how they take care of their body, what they do in the offseason, how they prepare for games, what they put in their mind, how, how they're mentally ready to go, and how they rally the troops. Oh, yeah. Um, not to be cliche, but just to bring everybody else together um, – that takes a lot of discipline. We're all selfish people. He he shows up each night, LeBron, well, both of them, but ready to go and bring everybody together. It, it's a true testament just to his longevity and just discipline day in, day out. Because I think people would say that LeBron is selfish. Like at first glance, oh, gosh, LeBron, like he's always, you know, he's got something to say about everything. He, he does always make it about him. But he's a tremendous teammate. I mean, you listen to his former teammates talk about him. I mean, guys love him, and the, the current team seems to love him, and and so he's not as he's not selfish in this. Sure, is he? Does he like the spotlight? Yeah, he does. He likes the spotlight, but as a as a player, and and what he's willing to sacrifice, and and be the teammate, and make players better, he does all those. Things. He he's all in on that. Yeah, you can say what you want about him off the court, but on the court, in terms of just. He's not just, selfish on the court. He is not, he is not selfish. And, and, and if you want to talk about ego, I mean, he's the best player. If he, if he acts like he's the best player, that's okay. <laughs> he, he is the best. He is the best. And so, like you said, like I said, I mean, you can um, kick out off-the-court stuff, but on the court, he is, he, he is a team guy. And even the off-the-court stuff is pretty tame. I mean, that, yeah, sure. He hates even off-the-court. He doesn't have any off-the-court issues, which is another thing. And the, and the family man that he's really been good point. his whole career, from what I understand, I don't know what he does on, on the road, but from what we know, he's been married to the same woman, and he's got a couple kids with her, and they've raised a family together. And that's, that's what his life has been. And that's another you know, just aspect to his story and his consistency he burst onto the scene as a high schooler, and how we we know how child actors do and child singers and 
you know, all that kind of thing. LeBron has been better than anyone almost ever in, in whatever you call it, actors, music, whatever. Uh, that, that says a lot about him, too. So, and I think this year he's just getting started, and I think this conversation is going to go to a whole other level when the Lakers get at least to the Western Conference Finals, and I would say to the Finals. Uh, so we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll bring some of this up uh, again. All right, over the weekend, I was all excited to watch Steph Curry play on Saturday night, and he got the flu. The Warriors still almost beat uh, the Sixers, but the Sixers did hang on to get that win. Uh, but Reed actually played high school basketball with Steph Curry at Charlotte Christian, uh, also knows Seth Curry, and, and so it's exciting what Seth has been able to do uh, in Dallas this year. Seth, Seth has been a guest on Unpacking It uh, previously. The, the Warriors, what a funny season it's been for them. I mean, they're playing guys that are G League caliber players, and it's not what we've been used to in recent years. But now Steph is going to come back. Uh, he's, he's healed, apparently, from the wrist injury. Then, of course, he got some kind of flu, I think, even from his kid. But, but anyway, share maybe a, a couple stories about, about Steph and just the excitement to, uh, to see him back on the court once he gets over the Yeah, flu. no, it's, it's great to see him back. I mean, this season has been just crazy for the Warriors. I mean, obviously, we knew going in Clay wasn't going to be playing. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green being out. Steph being out and um, really if if all those guys are going to be out it's better if they're all out at the same time um, hopefully you know me being a fan because of Steph um, they get a, a a good draft choice and, and can move uh, forward into next year um, from that perspective but yeah Steph great family great guy um, yeah we played together I was a senior when he was a sophomore in high school and um I mean, the things that I remember about him just um, were just how how small he was, honestly, at that point, and how he was doing the things he was doing, just being being a small um, sophomore kid. And you know, was he, he under I, six feet then? Oh yeah, yeah. He okay. was probably um, at that point his sophomore year. He was probably five eight, five nine. Wow, uh, probably a buck forty, Whew. buck fifty. I mean, and um, you know, he still had that razzle dazzle. You know, he would make a just an unbelievable pass or unbelievable shot. Um, but I even remember having a conversation. Hey, man, just just make the make the easy pass. Uh-huh. You know, you know, because at that point he was he was seeing things that his dad had taught him and that he had, you know, he had seen so many years um, watching it, watching the NBA um, from from the 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 court really and. Um, he wanted to be able to do it. His body, I just don't think, had caught up yet. And he would, um, the consistency there wasn't, it just, it wasn't there really. Um, and I, I just remember a couple of those kind of things, but then just, just how hard he worked, how much he wanted it. And, uh, you know, I think that obviously came from the top down. Um, his parents are great folks and, and, and Seth, same, same deal. I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to see these guys just continue to do it um, at a high level and and set this year with with Dallas, man, I, I think this has just been a, a great landing spot for him. Where, hey, the role that he fits perfectly is what they're asking him to do down in Dallas. And really, this might finally be his final stop. I hope so. Like, because he's been in Dallas before, right? Now they brought him back, and they're a team on the rise. Like next year, they'll probably add a piece or two, and Luca will be even better, and Porzingis will be even more healthy. They're going to be competing for for championships here soon, and and Seth should be a part of that, and and you know be a key contributor 
whether he's the seventh man or better, um, he's he's right there in the mix. The guy, he's still one of the best shooters in the league. No doubt. The guy I think he can be is the Danny Green kind of guy yeah. in terms of uh, being on a championship. Danny might be a little bit bigger and can guard some bigger guys, but that kind of guy, come in, play good defense, um, and, and, and hit some big threes and – and really be a catalyst coming off the bench. Because uh, it's a smart player, veteran player, sure. all that kind of thing. Danny Green's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Even I though he went love, to North Carolina? He, he's my favorite Tar Heel in a long time. I love Danny Green. I love his game, especially now that he's on the Lakers. And I, I didn't even mention him earlier when I was mentioning guys. But he's such a key contributor because he fits into his role. He plays hard. He plays defense. And he'll hit big shots. And actually, he is similar to Seth because... Danny, when he came out, he wasn't – remember, that was the year where all the other guys were all the highly touted players, and I think he went in the second round maybe, or did he even get drafted? I'm not even sure. He may I, have, I, he I, may have I, gone undrafted. Yep. And, and so Seth didn't come in – you know, Seth had – and so Danny Green went to D-League or bounced around and was just trying oh. to get into a, a franchise or make a roster similar to Seth. Bounced around, trying to find his spot. But both of them, I think, finally have – been appreciated for what they can do and it's very valuable to a team especially a good team to have guys like that so um it was good that he got out of portland because portland they were kind of loaded with guards and and i think here and there in dallas he'll, he'll i think he could stay there for a while i really do um so yeah so hopefully steph comes back and and i think the warriors will at least be competitive with steph and i'm almost curious to see how he does without clay without Durant you know what it what does that look like because we really haven't seen much of that and and him and Draymond together so we saw Draymond's been out there for a decent part of the year he can't carry a team so and him and Barkley are going into a nice uh little back and forth which is always fun but uh but but I Draymond is not a number one guy on a team but Steph is and so those two toward the end of the season even though they don't have a ton of other pieces I'm I'm curious to see how how many points Steph puts up on each night and if they can sneak out some wins. Uh, but of course they're they're gearing up for next year. And then all of a sudden they'll surprise like they'll be back in the mix. Like they'll be back as a championship contender. And next year should be even even more exciting in the NBA. All right, let, let's talk a little NFL. Uh, but before we we get out of here today, and we've already talked about Tom Brady, but he of course is the starting point to the domino effect the quarterback carousel and we were having this conversation and it just kind of hit me too teams that pay too much for quarterbacks are not going to win like they're not going to win the Super Bowl and so I think Bill Belichick realizes that he doesn't want to overpay for Brady I think you you look at teams like Detroit Minnesota Oakland, like these teams all overpaid for their quarterbacks, even whatever Denver has been doing over the years, like they're not making the right decision at quarterback. I think Atlanta, now that Matt Ryan makes the big money that he makes, it's too hard to build a roster around those guys. So with Brady now as a free agent, if you're going to pay him $30 million, I don't think you're going to the Super Bowl. So that means you have other reasons for bringing him in. So if you're Oakland, you're going to bring him in to sell tickets. It, to me, the Chargers, same thing. They're probably just trying to sell tickets because I, I don't think you can add enough pieces, especially where Brady's at at this stage of his career. He needs a lot around him, and we saw that in New England. 
They needed even more around him, and it wasn't there. Part of that was just a timing thing. They, they needed to get another receiver in the offseason. They didn't, um, and they, they missed out on other guys. So wh- where do you think Brady ends up, and, and what do you think of this just philosophy of, all right, you can't, you can't overpay for a guy even like Tom Brady? I think he ends up back in New England. I just don't really see him going anywhere else just from the standpoint. I don't think they're going to be competitive anywhere else. The Raiders make a couple splash moves. You know, he likes the draft. Maybe, you know, he wants to be on the West Coast. I I believe they have a he has a home in in California. Maybe do you want to be second fiddle in LA, be in the new stadium. I mean, it's the Rams stadium, but the Chargers are playing there. I just I don't see that that happening. Tennessee, I mean, should they overpay for Derrick Henry? Um, you know, that's a, a total different topic. But you know, how are you going to go sign Brady, re-sign Henry, and then? Does and have that, enough to spread around. Does that put you in a good position over the next two, three years? Are you better I, than the Ravens or the Chiefs? Exactly. Uh, I, I just don't – I think retooling in New England is the move for, for him. Maybe just go year to year up there. And, and I, I don't see New England really having anybody internal. I mean, do they – if Tom leaves, do they go wh- – what direction do they go? So I don't think Belichick wants to – to to rebuild up there um he's no. on the back you know back you know couple years of his career too so i think he ends up back in new england do i agree do we want any organization do you want to overpay for a quarterback no but what's the alternative i mean you got to spend and you got to ha- have a trigger man where do you go yeah i mean i yeah, I don't think I just don't think you overpay for Brady at this stage, expecting him to come in and carry your team. And so the one team that I I think he goes back to New England, I think he should go back to New England. It just seems to make the most sense. But I am very intrigued by the San Francisco possibility. It seems like a long shot. It seems ridiculous that you'd get rid of Jimmy G and then bring Brady in. They're a Super Bowl team. Like they're right there. They're one throw away, really. And so Brady can make that throw, and they are a run-heavy team. They've already got great running backs, and they're not expensive running backs. Coleman probably is a little overpaid, but you've got Breida there, and then you've got Mostert who came in and who's a stud. And in many ways, Shanahan can almost find guys and plug them in. So you run the ball really well, and you even have enough weapons in the passing game with Kittle and Sanders. That's like If, if you're Brady, that's the only team that you can go to. Because what are you going to are you going to go to the Chargers? They don't have enough on defense. You're not going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and the Titans maybe, but the Titans like Tom Brady with the Titans. I don't see that. And then the Tampa Bay Bucks? No way. I mean, are you kidding? I can't Why would Tom Brady go down to Tampa Bay? It just doesn't it doesn't add up. So, San Francisco to me seems like the only option. And like the Raiders, I mean, that seems like such a gimmick. And it does Brady really need to make a money grab? Like I just, why would you need to do that? I think their roster offensively is pretty solid. The the Raiders, Raiders offensively. Now I I don't know what they have on defense. So, um, but up front they're they're good. Good tight end um, emerging in Waller. Um, Jacobs the the rookie running back really is good. solid and really good. If they add one more receiver to that core, that's a good offense to work under. Gruden's a smart guy, obviously. So. I don't know. I, I 
I, I still I'll don't give you the Raiders. I still don't see it. I still don't really like it if I'm him, but um just trying to paint an offense where he fits. I think they're they're committed to the run there too, but we'll we'll see kind of I just don't don't see it see him leaving New England. Unless like at this point he, there's really nothing more he can accomplish on the football field. Like I mean, well, okay, he wins one more Super Bowl. Eh, I mean, it adds a little cherry on top, but not much. So I guess his motivation at this point, it is appreciation and money, and I, like it sounds ridiculous to, but that that must be all that's left for him. Or maybe just being in a, on a roster where he feels like more comfortable with weapons, you know. But really, the system in New England is the system he built with McDaniel's over the last how many ever years. So he I mean, is this, the system exactly. <laughs> really. I mean, the, everybody's getting on his page. So because even if let's say he goes to another team and they they do well, like what is it? It proves that what he's better than than Belichick. I just think that that hope is a long shot. For him to be able to to step outside of Belichick to prove at this stage of his career at this age, with the the newness of a of a new franchise, maybe you don't trust the offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks coach. I just think that's such a big risk. If that's your motivation, I'll go show everyone that I can do this on my own. Yeah, if you're 32, maybe, but 42 or 43, I, I can't. Yeah, that's I think tough the answer to buy. really is New England adding a free agent receiver and drafting one as well drafting a receiver as well and and they have some good backs um retool oh yeah michelle's great on in in, on the offensive line a little bit i think a couple guys were banged up last year but you know in the defense it was all world oh yeah 10 weeks and then they kind of fizzled but they're there the pieces are there the pieces are there belichick's there and get, get him a tight end too missing missing gronk was bigger than they probably thought or realized. I, I, he, he was awesome, and they needed him. And they, last year they had no tight end production. It was like zero. It was crazy. Yeah, I think they were – I mean, they were signing guys off the practice squad and trading for third-string guys. Yeah, I, mean, I love – I think Benjamin Watson, was he there? I guess he was there last year. I love, he was there. I love I mean, Ben Watson, I mean, but, I mean, come on, at that stage. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. So, um, all right, that's a big story. All right, before we wrap up, two more things. You're a big Packers fan. So I got to get your thoughts on just kind of in general the team, but also I just I I always liked Aaron Rodgers like I was a big fan, but he's starting to wear me out a little bit. Are are you feeling that way as a Packers fan? Or are you like, wow, hey, he's number twelve, he's got a Packers jersey on. I don't care about the shenanigans kind of surrounding him. It's a good question. I think he's just been in the media about things other than football the last couple of years, which eh, I, I don't need all that. Um, I think some of it is probably brought on himself, some of the negativity there. Uh, I think some of the other stuff is just, I don't, I don't care to your point, like just keep playing. But what, where, where I'm, what I really want to see out of him is to lead the young receiving core and and get them get the most out of out of out of their talent. And I don't. That's what I haven't seen. Adams, you know, he oh, Devontae Adams Proven. is a top five guy. He's going to do what he does. But some of those other guys, I mean, they had years 
Um, they they did not reach their potential this year. Geronimo never lived up to it. M- Kumaro. MVS, uh, you know, those guys. Yeah. And, and you can make some arguments, you know, comparing talent uh, versus some of the other wide receiving cores in, in the league, but I, that's what I want to see. And I haven't seen that over the last – I mean, I'm, now I'm not in the locker room, you know, do – you know, are these guys just not understanding the playbook, not putting in the reps, not putting in the time? Maybe. And and if if that were the case, I'd be frustrated too. It seems like he's more frustrated with that group versus yes. encouraging to that group. I agree. Um, it so appears that way. Whether whether they go get a guy or draft another guy or, hey, let's keep developing these guys, that's what I want to see. Yeah. I, well, I, you know who I do like is Lazard. He was, he was good. He made some plays. He's Big body guy, but but he's probably still not the. He's probably your three or four. He's probably a three. Yeah, probably. If he's your third receiver, you're in good shape. But yeah, none of those other guys emerged, and, and even from a fantasy perspective, you kept waiting. Oh, Geronimo is the guy. That's who you want, and it just it didn't happen. Maybe Did maybe happen. for a game or two. But all right, last last question. We'll we'll shift gears away from sports for a second, and uh, and then we'll do unpack this coming up. But, of course, I, the, the saga of fatherhood, the, the, the weekly uh, challenges, excitements, joys, uh, try to share some of that here on the podcast. And so little Maddie's almost seven months old, and the latest thing I've encountered. So I love bath time, try to do bath time each night. She does great in the water. But now all of a sudden, she is trying to drink the bath water. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell her, no, don't drink the, the bath water. But she's not at the stage where she really understands no. Like it does, she's not being defiant. She doesn't even know. She just sees the water. She wants to drink it. But she's sitting in her own, not that she's that dirty, but she's sitting in it. I don't want her drinking the water and all that kind of thing. And so you've got two young daughters, but they're older than, than Maddie. So you've, I assume, been down this road kind of the first time where you really, you're telling her no, but she doesn't get it. And so now, bath time, I'm, I'm having to be even more like hands-on because it's, i got to keep her mouth from drinking the water. That, that also has soap in it and a number of other things. So what do I do? I need some help here today. I don't know if I have a good answer for you. I have a 4-year-old and a 1-year-old, and the 1-year-old is kind of still in that range. I think she knows probably more than she's letting on. <laughs> um, and no said loud enough gets her attention and and she usually stops but same thing around christmas time the one-year-old she's drinking up a storm i look away for one (laughs) second and um i i don't i don't think i have a great answer for you honestly i think you just got to keep plugging away and 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 stay locked in and and maybe shorten that bath time a little bit i know i guess it's shorten the bath time or like uh, lowering the water so that she can't like lean in and, and drink well, my, it. Well, my daughter was like full, like oh, lean all the in. way over and, oh. and was like, was like trough in the water. So I don't, maybe Maddie's a little different. I don't know. Mine, uh. mine just still will look right at me. I'm saying no. She's got her food and she's just dropping it off, off, oh, of, no. off, off of her, uh, her booster seat kind of thing, and I'm just like I'm laughing at you. Not laughing, but just <laughs> I mean, I think she's she's still in that cause and effect stage. She just wants to see what happens. Oh yeah. So she's just picking up, or whether it be a bottle or sippy cup, or yesterday was cheese. We had given her some shredded cheese to eat, and she just took basically all of it. And I'm like, why are we 
why are we why are we giving her these kind of foods? You know who's cleaning it up? It's me. I'm the cleanup guy. My wife Clean usually gets gets the gets the girls um dinner ready and I'm usually the one cleaning up the kitchen. So I, I don't have any real good answers for you, Man. but I'm I'm working through it just just like you are. Nice, nice. Well, if anyone has figured out the, the formula on that one uh, for bath time, uh, shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. So that's the latest. Because even when I'm like pouring water on her head, um, she'll try to drink that water too, which is that's not the worst thing. Early on, it made me nervous, but I, uh, I guess it's fine if she drinks water. So we're good. We're good with that. But uh, she, she actually does fine with water in her face, which is interesting. So she, I like that because I, I want her swimming here soon. So uh, we're starting with the, with the bath, but I don't want her. I don't. Once we get her in the pool, I don't want her drinking the pool water either. So, so I got to, I got to figure out the, uh, the solution here. So, uh, Reed, man, great hanging out. Thanks for coming in studio. Uh, thanks for being a part of unpacking it. Uh, any final words just about the, the ministry overall? What, what has you most excited or anything you'd like to say to our, our listeners as you know, founding board member, been a part of it for the last six years uh, here at Unpacking It? Well, first of all, just thanks for um, having me on. But the, the main thing that I just want to portray to our listeners and really to say to them is just thank you. Thanks for, for listening to the podcast. Um, thanks for following us. Thanks for reading the devotionals and um, please give us feedback. Email Bryce. Um, I know he loves getting feedback in whatever form or fashion, but positives, things that we can change. We, we're here to um, to really be a resource for you guys. So um, use us in, in that way and, and reach out to us and, and we're just so thankful for you. Absolutely. Well, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to Reed Franck for joining us in studio. And I really love this opportunity that we have with the podcast to introduce you as a listener to some of the key people that have been a part of Unpacking It, uh, especially a guy like Reed, who has been involved uh, really since day one. I-, I pitched him the idea as I was you know, feeling the call to start this ministry and he, he bought in right away and wanted to be a part of things and, and so uh, have been very, very thankful to him and, and, and all that he's contributed to the ministry getting to where we are today. And, and he also knows his sports. Like He's a baseball player and a baseball coach, but he's a big sports fan, so, so he keeps up with a lot. So uh, great stuff from him. And as we wrap up today and, and when we do kind of this Monday recap show, we always love to do Unpack This, the, the podcast version of our email devotional that we send out each weekday for free. Uh, you can subscribe by going to unpackingit.com. And today, of course, I had to write about the, the Duke win. The, the big, two big things stood out to me about that game. One, I told you about Justin Robinson. I just... I love his story. I read just a great article about you know just his perseverance and really being a, a great teammate. And even during the broadcast, they were talking about him being a great friend to the players while sitting on the bench for basically, this is his fifth season, for the majority of those five years. So he redshirted a year, and then he, you know, he was a walk-on. At times, he did have a scholarship uh, during certain seasons, but he's been a walk-on type player. And honestly, I believe he should be the starter. I really do. I think he has earned the, the starting nod 
because of the the energy that he brings and the defense rebounding. He can hit a three. He can draw the defense out because he can stretch the floor uh, and, and knock down the three. Start him. If you're Duke, start him this week in the ACC tournament. But the other big takeaway that I had from the game was how impressive Duke's transition game was. I mean, Vernon Carey was running the floor so well. I really love that aspect to his game and, and and just Duke finding the open guy in transition. And then on the other end, Duke was really good defensively in transition because they outscored UNC in the first half 15-0. to zero. So they held UNC to zero fast break points, which is huge because in the first game, UNC did a really good job in, score, in scoring in transition. I think they had 16 points in transition in game number one. Even though Duke ended up winning it, that game could have gone either way, and UNC, what made them so tough in that game, they were doing really well in transition. So Duke, heading into the game, they put a major emphasis on working their transition game and, and, and wanting to improve in that area leading up to game number two against UNC. And so... What it got me thinking about, though, is how in life we often are in transition. And for one, it's always a a new season. You know, we're transitioning from spring or fall or winter to spring. And and the the, the spring forward, daylight savings time, it's got me all out of whack. It's got, you know, my seven-month-old daughter, she doesn't know what's going on with it. And uh, so we're in transition with with the time and and the the seasons, and that's always going on. Then, you know, for, for me, transitioning from just my wife and I to now having a daughter transitions that we deal with with the ministry we used to be on radio uh and now we're off radio totally focused on this podcast and and so we've transitioned to podcast only and so a lot of transition goes on in life and then when it comes to you know uh new jobs and and different houses and different cities and and we're always in transition and then there are times where difficulties hit so we're moving right along, we think life is going a certain way, and then boom, difficulty enters, a new circumstance, a new issue, a new problem, and we have transition. And so it's not you know, fully just like uh, in, the, in college basketball or in basketball in general, but this idea of they transition from offense to defense, defense to offense, offense to defense, and, and during an up-tempo game, there is so much transition that takes place. And so for us today... The question becomes, how do we handle transitions in life and how do we kind of gauge our own (laughs) transition game? Because do we, you know, really when, when a team goes from defense to offense, what happens? They now have the opportunity to score. There's, they look for the open lane and they, they kind of embrace this opportunity. They have the ball. And what happens when you go from offense to defense, usually that means you missed a shot or you turned the ball over, and so you're trying to get back on defense without dwelling on the missed shot or the turnover. And so for us, it's easy to dwell on the season that we were just in or we dwell on the missed shot or the turnover or the difficulty that we're experiencing without embracing what this new transition is allowing us to experience now sometimes difficulty it's allowing us to trust God depend on God and then 
you know, maybe it's a, a new opportunity, something we're really excited about. But in that, we have to decide, are we going to get caught up in the excitement of that and then take our focus off of Jesus and get kind of caught up in the, the newness, the busyness? And, and then oftentimes, even with good things or bad things, there is a level of worry, anxiety, fear, uh, feeling overwhelmed because of the change, because we're, we're stepping out of our comfort zone, perhaps. And so transition, it, it, it brings a lot to the table when, when we go through it, uh, because we're, we're stepping into something different. We're experiencing change, uh, good or bad. And so my encouragement for us today is, will we focus on the one constant, Jesus, during any period of change because if he remains our focus and he and because he never changes then even when a transition is ha- is happening all around us our peace joy and contentment remain the same in hebrews it says jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever so we know that everything around us is always changing and it's different jesus is the same so if he's our anchor if he's our focal point then we're able to handle all the stuff around us a lot better because we're relying on him for strength, for power, for comfort, for peace, for joy, and all those things that we need to get through the transition. And so whether we we just got the ball or we lost the ball, uh, one of the, the other keys as we remain rooted in him and and you know our faith and trust is is tested during those those times, but but it's also an opportunity for us to keep praising him that we keep praise we praise god whether it's the 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 good transition a challenging transition an exciting transition a difficult transition we continue to keep our eyes fixed on him and praise him through it all and and i love this response in the bible where job you know job deals with everything like he gets he gets tested and it's the worst he loses all he has health family land money all that he loses it all. And what's his response? I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So in transition, here Job transitions from having a lot to having a little, to being healthy, to not being healthy. And what's his response? Praise the name of the Lord. So today, let's allow our transition game to lead us to trust, praise, and contentment and, and man, transitions all around us. So I, I hope that uh, regardless of, of what you're experiencing, that will be an encouragement and inspiration to you today. So I'm Bryce Johnson. You can unpack that. Thanks again to Reed Franck for joining us. Uh, he's a, a baseball coach at Charlotte Christian uh, here in Charlotte and, and their high school baseball team. And so they got a game tonight. And so we wish them the best. Uh, but thanks so much for joining us today here on the Unpacking It podcast. Uh, I've got an interview coming up uh, later this week with Jimmy Dykes from ESPN. He's got a new book out, so we'll talk to him. So be looking out for that podcast to drop. In the meantime, don't forget, I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you at the March Madness viewing party coming up on March 19th as well. Be sure to register on unpackingit.com. I'm Bryce Johnson. Have a great one.